Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, January 22nd. We at Cracked Rackets are all well aware right now, all eyes in the tennis world turn to Australia as the first Grand Slam tournament of the 2020 season officially underway. What a first opening two days we've had. Uh, We've discussed it all on our first two Mini Break podcasts, but 88 matches on day two, obviously above the normal threshold you expect even this early in the tournament, and that was a whirlwind podcast. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be joined by Crack Racket's own Jamie McDonald to break that all down earlier today. And as you listeners may have noticed, our release schedule is slightly different than normal. We like to typically have these podcasts out released for your morning commute with the play happening in Australia. The time difference makes that a little bit difficult. We feel like if we recorded the night before, we really would miss a whole day's action. So we don't want to do that to you listeners. Jamie, Kale have been kind enough to record during lunch breaks alongside of me. We're going to try and make that the theme throughout the week to keep you guys up to date on all things Australian Open. That being said, it's the tennis world. There's more than one event going on in the time in the world at all times, and it's always a different level, right? If it's not the ATP and WTA, it's the Challenger Futures level. If it's not that, of course, it's our other favorite topic here at Crack Rack. It's college tennis, and even though we are done with our college contender series, that is because the college season officially underway. Our first week of play now in the books. Not too many, but we do have some juicy results to talk about, and there are no two guests I would rather talk about college tennis with than the two we have on our show tonight. Let's start where we always start. You listeners know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, your favorite writer at our website, CrackRackets.com, and of course, co-host of the Mini Break podcast episode he does with Jamie McDonald. Matt the Cracks Stokowiak, welcome back to the Mini Break pod. Hey, thanks, man. Glad to be back on. I'll admit, Gruskin, I haven't had too much sleep over the past couple of nights with all this tennis going on, but uh, I'm not tired, man. So let's uh, let's roll it. Male practice that we have not had you on to talk any Australian Open, and again, that's due to the time differences. It's also because I feel like your coverage overshadows mine always, and we all know it's my ego that runs the show, right? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> uh, just kidding, Manny. But I promised, come weekend time when we all have free time, you will be on at the you know at the latest this Saturday. That is my promise to you. All right, man. I love it. Now, now, a man I have forbidden from coming on any of our professional coverage, despite his outreach recently on his website, which I'm sure we will talk about later in the day. He is someone you know as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, and of course, my co-chair whenever we're doing play-by-play, Chris Hallioris. Welcome back to the Mini Break Podcast. Hey, man, glad to be here. I can't, How am I banned from coming on a professional tennis when I got to do play-by-play for a professional event for seven <laughs> days? I was going to say, I thought we were never going to talk politics on this pod. (laughs) Well, restrictions might be changing soon, and I'll leave that as a little teaser for our listeners of some news we may have coming on the Cracked Rackets front later on. But no, no politics today, I promise to both of you. College tennis, the focus of our discussion, because there have been some outstanding, dramatic, impactful results, and it's only been one week of tennis. Uh, Even before we get to a specific result, I just... In terms of balancing the Australian Open, the start of college tennis, I just want to say it's been overwhelming. So I do appreciate both of you guys coming on tonight to help fill in any gaps I might have. That being said, 
electrifying start to the college tennis season and the place we have to start a match we highlighted when we did this podcast last week the showdown we had between the preseason I think number one and number two teams the University of Texas the defending NCAA champions our last team we talked about in the college contender series traveling all the way down to Gainesville to take on the number one team dare I say the preseason favorites to win this year's NCAA title the University of Florida Gators coaches Bruce Burke and Brian Shelton, both kind enough to come on and talk to us during our Cracked Interview series, talking to these top 10 coaches. And right off the bat, uh, you know, for this Texas team, we talked about it last week, Siskard and Ito, two of the top 10 players in college tennis returning to the top of that defending national championship lineup, but then four new starters in their singles lineup, and of course, three new doubles teams for them across the board. A brand new Texas lineup versus a familiar Florida Gators lineup uh, in Crawford, Riffis, Valle, Andrade, Inglidson, Greif, all guys we learned from uh, about much uh, throughout last year's semifinalist performance at the NCAAs for the Gators. And to get the result we get, we got to have the University of Texas team come down to Florida and knock off the Gators 5-2. I mean, let's start with you, Matt. This is the upset. This is the biggest upset thus far, and we'll hold the candle for biggest upset of the year probably for some amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I know I can speak for all three of us when I say that uh, we were wrong. We were definitely wrong about this one. <laughs> Um, I just, I, I was, I was, I was very surprised that Texas, you know, was able to go down to Gainesville and pull this off in a five, two fashion, especially after losing the doubles point, right guys. I mean, we look at it in the beginning of the match pretty much goes as expected. You know, Florida takes that first point, um, and, and they're rolling, right. They're going to win this. They're going to get three singles, no problem, but man, Texas showed up bunch of freshmen in there. Um, I, I was very impressed. I got to stream a good bit of this match, most of the singles, uh, not the doubles. But yeah, what a result for Texas. And, and man, I mean, if this is how they're going to play for the rest of the year, then uh, look out. This was one of those matches. It didn't matter what I was doing in my real life. There was at least one place I'd stream streaming on my phone at all times. It was that acclaim, and I appreciate you saying, hey, great shot for us for giving this Florida team with all of the returners a significant, you know, we made them significant favorites heading into the dual match. Chris, you may characterize my saying it's the biggest upset of the week thus far uh, as incorrect in a moment, and that's fair, but why, to me, it's the biggest upset is for the exact reason, matches point out for Florida, uh, which is rocking new doubles teams itself. They lost Alfredo Perez, so that was a big part of their lineup. They went with the number 14 team of Crawford and Riffis at number one. Inglidson and freshman Will Grant at two, and then Vale and freshman Joshua Goodger uh, at uh, number three doubles. And they won the doubles point. All things seem to be going their way. 7-5 from Inglitson at Grant. Volley and Goodger 6-3 at the three doubles position. Then they won three first sets, and all things did seem to be firing. You know, a commanding lead for Florida. What, I, I, mean, I know you were watching the match, but what's more shocking to you that, you know, they were able to turn the script be, uh in Texas the way that they did, that Florida had a couple of 5-1 leads in sets that they blew? I mean, is this more a testament to Texas's perseverance, or was this a failure from Florida? Uh, all of the above. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> Good answer. Let, let, let's be honest. It's not even close to the biggest upset of the college season we've had so far. 
it's just the highest profile upset. But come on, fair. Louisville over Virginia is much bigger. But uh, sorry, Gluskin. In yeah. terms of significance, so here's yeah. the thing. In terms of significance, no. Louisville beating Virginia will, and I say this respectfully to the Cardinals, who should feel great about beating a Virginia team with Carl Soderlinder not, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, but that's insignificant to me, that this Texas team went down to Florida and oh, beat them I, yeah, this early in the season. Highest pro- yeah, highest profile and significant, yes. It's just not the biggest upset. If you had laid okay. on, on both matches ahead of time, by far the other one was, was a bigger upset. But yeah, so look. I, you know, I know these guys. I talk to them. I'll still call them out on it. Florida the bed. Okay. I mean, you know, we all picked them. I picked them. I want them to win because I like the Gators. Right. But I mean, it just wasn't a good day. Uh, You know, like you said, they lose. They win the doubles point. All they got to do is get three singles. And the only guy that wins a singles match is the only freshman in the lineup. The five guys that were returners playing one through five all lose. And the guy playing number six gets the only win. Uh, and and he was the freshman. And probably, and I think even between the three of us, as we were t- texting and, and chatting during the match, the only position I was really not happy about who they started was Bicknell at six, and he's the only guy to win. <laughs> so, you know, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, why did they, oh, what's going on? Where's Ingoldson, you know? And then Bicknell gets the win and everybody else loses. It was just not, I mean, not their day, obviously. So, uh, you know, they'll, I'm, I'm sure they will be back. Luckily, you know, it's, it's one match. It's early in the year, but, uh, and maybe a good wake up call, but yeah, I'm sure they didn't expect somebody, even, even a good Texas team to come in and beat them five out of six singles matches on their home courts. Right. That, yeah. that certain, certainly is very, very shocking. And you look at the score lines for Florida, all six of their singles players ranked. I mean, Crawford 31, Riffis 4, Vale 72, uh, 17, excuse me, Andrade 72, Greif 71, Bicknell 118. You look at the flip side for Texas, their top two ranked inside the top 13. Uh, and shout out to Coach Burke for giving us the scoop that he was going to start Ito at one singles, Siskard at two. Uh, but we talked about it. The recipe for Texas going in, we thought they needed one and two singles. We thought they probably needed needed the doubles point, and we thought maybe it would be CM Waldeep at three singles who would be the best chance for them. Now, that's where I want to start in terms of looking at individual matches. For this Florida team who, and I'm saying this lovingly, they suffered the yips after running the table in the SEC regular season in that semifinal against Tennessee. They blew that match in the conference semifinals. We we talked about it extensively. We don't have to relitigate, but I think we can all agree they did. They almost did it again with Tennessee in the round of 16 before just scraping that one out barely. And we saw the yips again here tonight, whether it's the fact—I think Riffis went 0 for 5 on deuce points in the match against Siskard, at least in that first set. The fact that Vale goes up 5-1 on the freshman wall deep. You put a fourth first set on the board on a team starting four new starters at the three through six singles positions, that's really difficult to come back from. The fact that at that point it would have been Vale, Andrade, Crawford, and Bicknell all up first sets, and I think Greif was even up 5-3 in his first set, 
they had the chance to step on the, te- you know, I say this in the pejorative sense, step on Texas's throat, and they couldn't come up with it. Now, to that match at one singles between Ito and Crawford, that's a battle. I mean, Ito winning that 6-4 in the third, breaking Crawford at, I think he was up 4-3 in that third set. Even though it's on the road, this is a guy who's lost one match all uh, fall, all spring thus far, and it was to his teammate. I think you can write that one off. But for Sam Riffis to lose 1-4, for Vale to lose 5-1, and and for Andrade to lose in three sets when that's got to be the heart of their lineup, Matt, that's stunning. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's definitely a little stunning, but, um, you know, I want to give some credit to these Texas guys, man. I was I was texting both of you, you know, a guy like Waldeeb, I hadn't seen him play much before this match, and, and he's, he's a lot better than I thought. He's going to be a solid, solid guy for them at number three. And how about Chi-Chi, man? Chi-Chi comes in, he was struggling. I know we hit on this when we were, you know, we were doing the Texas uh, College Contenders pod last week. Chi-Chi was having a rough go of it. He comes in at number five and takes out Greif. There's no way I saw that coming. I mean, I would After have being down Greif. early, Greif was yes. on him. Yeah, yes. Greif, was up, Greif was up a break there, and then ah, Chi-Chi took over. I think Yeah, we, we can just call Chi-Chi like the Fonini of college tennis. You don't know, you don't know what you're getting. Right. Are you really make, you're really re- making a push here, Chris, to get on one of these Australian Open pods, I see. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little comeback there. Not quite on the Fonini Opelka level, but I mean, or how about Elliot Spaziri? He's yep. a January recruit for him to come in. You're right. There is a flip side to this. And actually, before we get to the Texas, Chris, I, I want your final thoughts on uh, this Florida because you talked about for Bicknell, uh, him playing the six singles position. That was the one you questioned. You look at what the Gators have done since. Uh, they have played a couple of matches. They played a tricky UCF team, uh, ended up knocking them off 6-1. You look at the wins they got there. Riffis and Crawford bouncing back with straight set wins. Volley as well, a confident 6-1, 6-2 win. Uh, Inglidson playing the six singles position there. He gets a 1-1 one one win over Trey Hildebrand. There are still a bunch of cards to be played for Coach Shelton, right? And that's the biggest thing is for Florida, there probably still is room for them to, I mean, not probably. There's 100% so much time in the season. This is not a loss that defines their season whatsoever. But it does add to the theory of sometimes it's easier to have five players and just, you know, a rough choice at six than it is to have nine guys who could all start because Coach Shelton's got a lot of tough choices to face. Yeah, I don't know. In this case, I think having the nine guys is just fine because it didn't matter who the hell he played at five and six. They lost the match anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, so so that that was pretty irrelevant. He just needs the guys up top to actually, you know, win a couple matches um, so that the guys in the bottom matter. But no, I mean, they'll be fine. Right. And we we got to see already. Right. And like you said, that UCF match could have been a really tricky match. That is not a bad team. UCF is a very good team. Uh, all the way down to six, they've got good good players. So that, that could have been a little dangerous, and they handled that pretty easily. And we saw, you know, what I would assume is already some of the testing of different guys and based on performances, right? Greif got pulled for that match after what he did with, uh, with Texas. Engelson comes in. Engelson plays well. Uh, you know, we're going to see some different guys playing. They're going to figure out who's in the best form come – the time when that you know when it counts and and I, I fully expect hopefully that Ingleton will be back in form where he deserves to be it solidly 
uh, in the top six. But yeah, they'll, I mean, they'll be fine. I think the, the better news here for it really is for Florida will be absolutely fine. The good news here is for Texas to, that, yeah, they're, you know, they are right there with the rest of those guys if they get, you know, which is what, what our question was, what will they get out of Waldeeb and Spaziri at three and four and, you know, and then at five and six, is it too weak? And, you know, no, okay, they lost at six, but it wasn't a runaway and Chi-Chi actually played well. So, uh, you know, they're, they're right there with everybody else. I agree. For Florida, the silver lining against both Texas and UCF, assuming you think your singles talent in the end come May will bear out above everyone else's, they won two big doubles points against both UCF and Texas, and that's something they struggled to do in crunch time last year. So there are some silver linings for Coach Shelton. To the flip side, and your point, Chris, and what Matt was alluding to earlier— what a response from these Texas freshmen who, look, you're coming onto a roster, that onto a team, a program that are the defending national champions. Yuya Ito and Christian Siskard can carry you to the promised land if they can just get a little bit of help uh, down beneath in the lineup. And it's, it's eerily similar to last year's Wake Forest team, and that's a bold comparison, Matt. But if they're getting wins like this from a wall deep in the Barbotsa role. They can get, uh, you know, Cleve Harper loses here, but they can get one from Spazir or Chi Chi Huang. The recipe is there, and I think we did sell Texas a little bit short in our preview. Yeah, maybe, but again, this is just one match. They played well, but but I agree, Gruskin. I mean, I think these guys are going to show up. They're they're very very good. I I watched these uh, these singles matches when they played uh, Florida, and I was I was very impressed. Now. The Spaziri Andrade third set, you know, was a little, I, I don't know. That was the final match on. The match had been clinched after Ito beat Crawford. So, you know, that one, I, I don't want to put too, too much stock into that. I would have been much more interested to see if it had to come down to that match, if that was for the entire duel. Um, you know, but regardless of that, these guys, they're here to play. And I'm, I'm very interested now, you know, to kind of see how this Texas team uh, goes into indoors. Yeah, uh, they are certainly a fun one to watch now, and they now have content. You know, they went from sleeping team to now. I'm sure everyone in the country saw this result, well aware of what these Longhorns are capable of. Any final thoughts there, Chris? Or are we ready to move on? Ah, I say, I say, we move on. All right, I'm in then. Let's go to our next match, one I was avoiding talking about. That's why I tried to talk Texas Florida as long as possible. But the next match, I think we have to cover here. It's time for Stokowiak to get to say a little bit of I told you so. Even though he didn't really tell me so, let's be clear. You know, he said, oh, you know, I have NC State on upset alert. Not really, but they're on upset alert because screw you, Gruskin. And it's like, you know, you said, I think Michigan will end up winning, but you played it cute, yada, yada, yada. And it turns out playing it cute, as always, works for you, Maddie, because NC State comes up to my comes up to Ann Arbor to face my University of Michigan Wolverines, and they give them a, the business in a dramatic 4-3 match. NC State taking the victory there after losing the doubles point, which felt like a must-have even in the moment, Chris. Uh, I guess, Matt, we can start with you. What about this NC State team gives you excitement moving forward? What about this win for them has you feeling good about them heading into AC, you know, into the rest of the season? Well, I just I think they're a good, solid team overall. That's why I called up Set Alert here, and I've never been sold on Michigan. So I just I knew that there was a chance that they could pull this off. But I'll be honest, guys, I didn't think they were going to do it in the manner that they did, winning four singles. I I thought State would win the dubs point, 
and then find a way to get three of the singles matches. The fact that Michigan won the doubles point, you know, that really, to me, skewed it towards the Wolverines. And the fact that they lost four singles, that's a bit alarming. Because um, I don't know if NC State is really that good. But typically, this Wolfpack team has been solid throughout their doubles lineup. They know how to play. They're well-coached. And then, again, like I said, their entire singles lineup is just very solid. I mean, there's no obvious weak points. Everybody's pretty decent. Alexi at number one is very, very good. He's a very formidable number one player. Um, and, and the fact that they got four is is a little bit better than I thought. I thought they'd uh, you know win the dubs and then get three. I have many thoughts on this match, but I'm going to save them for last. So, Chris, get let me hear what you have to say. Uh, well, I mean... Yeah, I certainly didn't see that upset coming. I I didn't think that NC State was as deep uh, or was deep enough, really, to be to be able to do that, especially with like Maddie said, after losing the doubles point Uh, and to see them to see them come back and win four singles matches and win, you know, where especially getting that last win out of Terzak, that that was definitely a little shocking to me. I think Michigan, we knew uh, that. You know, we had been saying all along, hey, they've got a one, two, and three. Uh, it's what do they have at four, five, and six? But, you know, they didn't get it out of one, two, and three. So, it, you know, that definitely put them on the brink. And, and yeah, Alexi was, I mean, he was going to be favored in that match regardless. So that, that's not a, that, that wasn't a, a shocking result there. Uh, but still, it was, it's, it's definitely still a good upset. Very surprised. I thought when, I thought when Brown came back from two five in the third to nod it at five all, that that was the momentum was there and that that was it. Uh, but uh, you know, Terzak did he he hung on. Uh, that third looked, set was ridiculous. By the way, I, yeah, I, it wasn't wasn't always pretty either. <laughs> no, not at all. I watched that entire third set and I was like, oh my god, who wants to win this thing? Yeah, it they was, were given uh, points away. They yep. were. It was an interesting third set, a very interesting tiebreaker as well. But you know, Terzak was somehow able to find a way, and you know that was that was a hell of a dual match. It really was. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, only, so, only disappointing thing to me, Gruskin, was you know the live stream or the 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 video there gives you uh, a view of the stands. There was nobody there. I guess that it was is yeah. true. I guess it's because it was a Wednesday, right? Probably it's early in the season and it's a Wednesday, but there were literally like 10 or 12 people up in the, you know, in the chairs. Uh, I was very surprised. So to that point, a Chris, I think everyone's just like, well, this isn't going to live up to the Gruskin Halliora standards of when they were there the week before. So they're like, why even bother going back? (laughs) Um, No, I think you're right that it's a Wednesday, although we should give a shout-out to Florida, who filled the stands against Texas. Of course, that's number one versus number two, but that was really cool to see. It was, for me, difficult because this match and the Texas-Florida match went on simultaneously, and any time I went to go sneak a peek at Florida, uh, Texas, I felt like I was cheating on my Wolverines. I'll also point out I think they lost this match because I wasn't there, uh, but that's a story for another time, and I really do try not to talk about Michigan specifically, 
too much as a team. I talk about my fondness for them, but just to spend two seconds, one, and they bounce back with wins over Washington and Oregon this weekend. What I think we know about them, I think in Seymour Fenty and Johnston Styler, and even Beattie and Brown to an extent, but in those top two teams, they found themselves a path to every doubles point they play. I mean, Connor Johnston might be the best doubles player on the team, yet having him at two makes sense because the number five team in Seymour and Fenty have looked that good, and they looked comfortable in their win here, 6-4 over the number 32 team of Babelis and Barkai. Uh, now, for Fenty to lose in three sets to an unranked but obviously very talented Alexis Galarno, that's a really good result. I think for Styler, we saw him get wins over the weekend. This was his first college tennis match. Those nerves show. I think Matthias Seymour is going to be as good of a three singles as you find anywhere in the country. He's played at that high of a level over these past you know year and now week. Um, BD at six, solid, but yeah, four, five, six are always going to be where the struggles are for this Michigan team as they play the higher level schools. And, yep. you know, it, it would have been nice to get BD off the court in straight sets. It would have been nice to, uh, you know, see Harrison Brown after getting back to five all take that seven, six breaker at home in a match deciding tie break. But I feel pretty solid about my Wolverines. I think they are going to be in that 16 to 25 range, competing at best to host those first two rounds, but you know, probably outside of serious contention range. And you know, it's a young team. So considering Seymour, Fenty, Styler uh, all coming back next year, and that's really the core of the team, uh, bodes well. This is this is a year one of a two year stretch that I think is going to look fondly uh, look fondly when we look back for Michigan tennis. Fair. Anything else to add from either of you? Mm. Nah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't want to get too much more into it. I just think, you know, this team, it, it could be a bit of a struggle. Look, you mentioned they are young. They have no chance to win the Big Ten this year, obviously. I mean, um, but I, I just think bleh, 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 bleh. there's going to be some matches, Gruskin, that this Michigan team plays in the conference that are going to be a little bit tighter than you want them to be. You're going to be sweating some of these out, you know, just because that four, five, six part of the lineup isn't going to be nails I don't know, just it, it could be a fun season because you might be seeing a ton of really tight matches. Yeah, I also think we're a player short right now. I think Harrison Brown's holding that five singles position for Maloney when he gets back. And I really do think that will help because I think he showed last year he's capable of getting wins at five and six, particularly in the Big Ten Conference. But yeah, in general, I agree. I think this is Ohio State's conference to lose Illinois with an outside shot despite their results against Columbia this weekend. Uh, but yeah, in general, that's where I'm at with the Wolverines. And again, credit to NC State to come into Ann Arbor, get a win like that this early in the season, 4-3 in a third set breaker. Great win uh, for them as they look to compete in what is, uh, you know, outside of NC State up top, a somewhat open middle and to top middle tier in the ACC and that'll be fun to monitor speaking of the ACC the other match god back to back just crushing upsets for my biases this weekend although I'm getting over it I'm working on erasing these biases Chris to get us ready for the indoors and I've got a juicy one coming up next for you so we'll see how you handle your emotion but first the biggest objective upset of the weekend I suppose using Chris's metric the fact University of Virginia they go to Louisville they win the doubles point Uh, No Carl Soderlund in the singles, but it doesn't matter. Louisville ends up escaping with a 4-3 victory. Gianni Ross double faulting on match point at the number one singles position against the number 42 uh, player in the country, Tin Chen, to gift Chen and the Cardinals that victory. Chris, again, 
I want you to explain Sondland uh, being out, how impactful that is for Virginia. But what does this tell you about both Louisville and the Hoos? I'm not sure. I guess if you want to be an optimist, it would tell you maybe maybe Louisville's not as bad as we would think. But I'm not that optimistic. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't I don't nope. have a lot of I don't have a lot of hope for that team in the in the ACC. I think they're they're fighting in the in you know the bot the bottom uh, of the ACC for sure. And it's just, it's devastating for, for Virginia. Now, granted that, you know, the, the solace they can take is they had no Soderland. And yeah, you, if you put Soderland in there and slide everybody else down a spot, it makes a huge difference for them. But that in itself is, you know, a little worrisome for you knowing that, you know, you're that close that one spot off and you lose, to Louisville, but, but none of, I mean, those guys, the, the guys that lost should not have lost. Woodall should, in, in, in you know, he, he got his win, as did Alshon, but I mean, Gianni losing to Chen, eh, okay, I'm not, I'm not totally, you know, I'm okay with that one. Getz losing to, to Hernandez, or Ramirez, no, shouldn't happen. Uh, RJ Friesen losing to Fung, no. Uh, I mean, eh, it's that, that whole match that just for Virginia, I just don't, I I'm really worried about that now. I mean, that just tells me that a, they have to have Soderlund and I don't, and I don't know why he was. I mean, I can only assume he was, he was hurt. Right. I mean, otherwise there's no reason for him to be sitting. So uh, if he's hurt, I'm hoping it's a very short term thing because if they can't beat Louisville without Soderlund, they're not going to beat many teams. Yeah, and I think this result broke your brain there for a second, Chris. We listened to the college tennis ranks formula being crunched all yeah, the time. Yeah, I, I, I can't get over how much of an upset this was. I'm, I'm stunned at the fact that, you know, that that Lord and, and Getz and Freese and all, oh, geez. What makes you more upset, Chris, that Florida will no longer be playing Wisconsin at the indoors or that you got this match wrong with Coach Pedroso on the interview? Uh, well, the only one that gets me upset is, is the Florida one because, you know, I, I'm like, I, well, there's a little bit of Gruskin in me. I, I'd like to be right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this one, uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't have any buy, you know, even though I live in Louisville, uh, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a huge follower. Uh, I don't I don't have any any bias or any stake in that match really at all it's just shocking to me i mean it's great i'd love to see good tennis here it'd be great if i thought louisville was a great team and i'd get to go see some great tennis but i I, that's not the case so (laughs) no i'm still offended rexy karma didn't name me in one of his 99 tweets naming people who support him i was like come on you're not even going to throw me a courtesy tweet. You're naming everyone else. Um, but I, that might be a, that's a deep cut for those of you who are involved in college tennis Twitter. Uh, yeah, Matt, I'll throw this to you as well. Hey, I was blocked, on. though. Do you, do you feel good about that? <laughs> me along with several of his former players. No, it, it's like I, I'm, I, my claim to fame, I've only been blocked by one person, by, and it's Riley Opelka, and it remains unclear as to why. Um, oh, but that's, that's again. Yeah, we've covered that story before. Matt, to get back to this Louisville-UVA match, for for UVA right now, given the way the bottom of the lineup won, you know, they got their wins from Woodall and Elshin, but Gats, Lord, Friesen all losing. It's it's a little Michigan-esque in that you know what you're getting up top from, you know, Soderlund, Fenty, uh, 
Soderlin Ross, Fenty Styler, maybe Getz is the Seymour um, uh, in this scenario, but a lot of questions for this Virginia team. You know, you're not going to look too much into it because they were missing their number one player, but you now have to wonder. I'm not sure exactly who's coming to their ITA regional, although if you check out Chris's website, collegetennisranks.com, you can learn all of that info now. And again, we'll plug that more at the end, Chris, I promise. But how are you feeling about this UVA team, about the ACC layout after this result, Matt? Yeah, it's a very, very bad loss. Um, there's there's just no other way to say it. It's it's a horrible loss. Um, and, and to hit on Soderlund real quick, um, I, I do know – um, my sources were telling me that he did not make the trip to Louisville. He was not there. He is injured. Um, so that is why he was not playing in this match. Um, hopefully they get him back soon because clearly they need him. Yes, I agree, Gruskin. Four, five, and six, you know, even with Soderland in there, are big question marks. I, I do not trust them. And, and we're talking about Louisville as probably, I mean, one of – I, I hate to say this, but one of the worst ACC teams. That's just the fact of the matter. There's so many teams that we could name right now in the ACC that I believe are better than Louisville. Um, so for Virginia to drop this one, you know, after winning the doubles point, I think, again, similar, like you mentioned to Michigan, they're going to have some matches in the conference this year that are going to be a lot tighter uh, than they want them to be. And, you know, speaking of, um, you know, the kickoff weekend, NC State is heading to Charlottesville. So that's going to be a, a possible match that I'm hoping for, man. The Wolfpack could take them out. They beat Michigan. Why couldn't they beat Virginia if Soderlin doesn't play? One of those few times Matt's willing to predict an upset. You know we must take notice as college tennis fans. I agree with you. That's going to be a really fun one. And again, with the you know, the, uh, I was going to say Notre Dame, although we'll get to them in a second, but with the uh, UNC up top of Wake Forest, UVA uh, not at the peak of their powers this year, that second place spot in the ACC wide open. And yeah, you have to wonder if an NC State knocks off a UVA during the regular season, if they can knock off a Wake Forest, could they sneak into that top 16, top 10 maybe range if the points work out well for them? Just things to monitor as we look throughout this season. But to stay in the ACC, let's talk about that Notre Dame team. Let's talk about two ACC results here. One win, one loss. University of Kentucky, uh, I believe they hosted Notre Dame in... Oh, no, I think this is a match at Notre Dame. It was at Notre Dame. Yes. Yes. They go to Notre Dame and they knock off the Irish uh, 5-2 Kentucky, taking the doubles point and getting wins from the 2, 4, 5, and 6 position, the 5, the the clinching the match at the number four position, Diawels over Ho- Hovels, 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. Uh, you look on the flip side, a win for the ACC. Florida State goes to, I believe, Mississippi State. Not, uh, sorry, Mississippi other, State. Let's try this again. Other way around. West off. Yeah, I was going to say, one more time, West off. Give me a rewind sound effect, please. Uh, Mississippi State goes in two. Uh, uh, Tallahassee, that's where Florida State is located. Knock off the Mississippi State. Uh, t- they knock off the Bulldogs here, five to two. Uh, Chris, well, since it's your team, we can start with you. Your thoughts on the early loss from the Bulldogs and the loss from Notre Dame, and what it means for those two teams? Uh, well, we can start with Mississippi State. I think uh, you know, get used to it. Um, you know, <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be rough. Hope, hopefully, they turn it around. I mean, it's but but we saw exactly what we expected. Uh, or feared would be the case if you're a fan. And that is the three freshmen at four, five, and six just got killed. Uh, you know, 
if so if they want to be competitive those guys and and they you know those matches should have been a lot more competitive than they were so the, so that was very very disappointing they, you know they got the doubles point which was huge continue you know with all new dubs teams uh for them to come in and get the doubles point like they did uh was great uh and especially out of the two dubs team with with Oradini and Stedman Strickland uh, play in there, uh, an easy win. That that was good news. And then they got into singles, and you know the like I said, the freshmen at four, five, six all lost pretty quick in straight sets. I don't think any of them got more than five games. Uh, and so then that left it up to the three upper cl- or the three returners anyway, not all upperclassmen, but Geo, Flo, and and Gregor at one, two, three. Gregor did his his job at three. Uh, Gio was in his second. Flo was fighting at, at two. Ended up coming back from two five down in the third. Even though, and he had won the first set. Uh, they had all won their first set there, so it looked like still a chance. And uh, and Flo got back to five all from two five down, and then lost at seven five. So and then they played it out, and then Gio ended up losing his match at one after that. So it was it was close, but uh, you know only close in the fact that they had to have all three of those matches. So I think you know it's. We'll see this weekend. It, it'll probably be a very tough match against Georgia in the opening match of the kickoff. Uh, and then assuming that uh, you know things go as I think they will, they probably end up getting Oklahoma the second day, which will be another match kind of like the Florida State where it's a winnable, but you know you're gonna have to step up a very a very tight match. Uh, and it's just gonna be fresh, you know freshman experience is what they need right now. You know, I, I expect them to get better along the way, but it's not like we expect to see them, you know, challenging for the SEC title again. No, it was a competitive result for Mississippi State. I agree with you that they, again, won the doubles point is a testament to them uh, that they – wait, I, you just mentioned kickoff weekend. Is kickoff weekend this weekend? It is. Holika Scheisse. Um And Westoff, I don't know if we need to crack, uh, quack if I swear in German, um, but oh my gosh. So – just so you listeners know, as opposed to squeezing all that ITA kickoff in today, Matt, Chris, I'm requesting this from both of you now. ITA kickoff pod Thursday night, and we can keep this live, West off. Leave it in. I'm down. Yeah, should be fine, man. All right, there it is. So for you listeners thinking this is just a tease, why aren't they talking about this weekend's regional action? We will be doing that later in the week. And in fact, because of that, I'm going to go ahead and scrap our week preview. You got it right there. There's going to be some fun kickoff action ITA weekend-wise. But yeah, for this Mississippi State team, the things you take heading into that kickoff weekend, you won the doubles point. Your top three players were all in three-set battles. A couple of deuce points go a couple of different ways. Uh, Things maybe turn out different for you. Uh, But yeah, I I think for this Florida State team, I think for the Mississippi State team in general, again, they're in that Michigan range, you know, top 30, top 25, if they're, if things go right for them in the ACC, maybe, uh, and for Mississippi State, the SEC, maybe they both sneak into top 16 seeds, but probably no better than that, Matt, right? Well, here, here's one question that I have for you guys about Florida State. Um, Two seniors, Aziz Dugaz and Lucas Pouillet, are listed on their roster. They did not play in this match. I don't know if they're in Tallahassee now or if they're overseas or what it is, but do we have any idea about those two? Because obviously um, that would be their top two players for FSU and they would make a huge difference. What's going on there? Well, Dugas is gone for sure. I mean, he played, he wasn't even there last year uh, and he's out just playing pro tournament. So, um... so he, he's rostered. 
Right. Is he, is he show, he shows up on their roster? He does. <laughs> that's funny. That's, yeah, a joke. No, I, that's a joke, isn't it? I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, there's no way he's, you know. Okay. What playing. about, what about Lucas Pouillet? I he played last year. I know he did. My brother played him twice. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. He was there last year. Um, can I just say, you know, things are serious when Matt's dropping something Nick did. I, That's I how you know he's serious. I don't think he's with the team. I, I don't think he's there anymore. I'm pretty sure NAF is their one. Legit. Yeah, see, okay. See, I, I don't like them then. As I do not like this Florida State team nearly as much as I thought I did. NAF is a decent player. I've watched him a lot, obviously, in the ACC. But if he's going to be one and then they got Jaleef at two, I mean – Again, that that's going to be a team that's going to be in a lot of tight matches. I mean, there there's a group there in the middle of the ACC, and I guess you know they could be in the mix. But um, man, you look down that lineup. I don't know. They they could use some more depth. And I thought you know a guy like Pouillet, and if he could come in there up top, would provide that. But we'll see. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair. I think you talk about that middle pack of the ACC, uh, maybe even into that top two, three, four range in the ACC conference. We all thought Notre Dame was going to be right around there. They bring in a, back a guy in Richard Ciamara, uh, number five in the country to start the season. He gets an impressive win over uh, Kentucky freshman, former Canadian junior tennis standout Liam Draxel in three sets. But between Ciamara, Axel Neve, Tristan McCormack, Will Howells, Guillermo Cabrera, this is a team with a lot of returners and so for them to lose this 5-2 result to Kentucky Chris what does that tell you not only you know does it tell you anything about Notre Dame what does it tell you anything about this Kentucky team and where they stand in the SEC yeah I think more I think that one was more about Kentucky I think you know for a lot of these schools and Grant hey I'll even go back and say with Virginia too right for for the for the schools that lose the first match like that it it doesn't necessarily mean a ton for them right it's it's the first match of the year first good match anyway you know they some of these schools may or may not have played you know a couple a couple of the lower end schools that they expect to win i say this lovingly but i saw tennessee tech's name like 12 times this weekend and i really don't think it's possible for them to have played that many matches (laughs) yeah well they played mississippi state twice i'm not sure who else they played (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I swear. I like everywhere I looked. It was like Tennessee Tech played Florida. Tennessee Tech played Mississippi State. Tennessee Tech went and played. I mean, just like Tennessee Tech State. Hey, it was just like it was they, unbelievable. They want to get some matches in. What's the problem? Yeah, credit here? to them. I agree. Yeah, but no, I think so. I think, like I said, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't take it too hard if I'm any of those schools, and even if I'm Notre Dame. I mean, it was a very competitive match. I think what it does say is really good things for Kentucky. Um, you know, they, they, they like some of these other schools, have a couple really talented freshmen. They got Diallo in, who ended up clinching the match, uh, and they got Liam Draxel playing one, right? So they've got some, you know, some unknowns to see how are these kids going to adapt to college tennis. And for them to go with their freshmen uh, to go into Notre Dame and get wins at Notre Dame uh, – is that's a that's a big a big deal for them so you know they've been they've been stuck kind of mired in the the middle to even you know second third of the sec for the last couple years uh and and this is this is a chance for them to you know to step up back up into that top half and you know and make a run they're not going to make a run at florida or texas a&m but that next group of three 
sure, tennis to, in Tennessee, South Carolina, and Georgia, they you they can make a run at them absolutely. So so I think that's what it says for them is hey, we can we can compete right there. We you know we get off to a start like this, we could be in a battle with a chance to try to you know go for third place in the SEC. I think that's a real real stretch for them, but it's a I mean a great start and a great result because that is not a bad Notre Dame team. Yeah, Matt, same question to you. Yeah, look, Notre Dame is a tough place to play as well. That is not an easy facility to go into. Their court surface is super fast. It's really awkward. Um, This, to me, says a lot about Kentucky. I mean, I look at Notre Dame's lineup. I mean, man, guys like Ciamara, obviously Axel Neff, really good, you know, talented lefty, McCormick, Howells, Cabrera. These guys know what they're doing. They can play, and for Kentucky to go in there, Win the doubles point as easily as they did. Wins at two and three by the score of six two and six three, and then to win those matches with freshmen like Chris said, um, I'm gonna have to start paying a little bit more attention than I thought I was going to to Kentucky because I I didn't expect this one. I would have fully expected Notre Dame at home uh, to you know maybe get like a five two result, but it went the other way. So I think Kentucky can compete in the SEC this year. Yeah, and for this Notre Dame team, uh, they're going to have to go play Arizona and then TCU this weekend at the kickoff. So we'll get a chance to see more from them and how they shake out. Yeah, Kentucky looks really good. You never want to overreact too much to week one, but a result like this, they go to Notre Dame. That is a notable win. So that's certainly a team we will be monitoring as we continue to cover this 2020 dual match season. Uh, let's quickly run through everything else because we could spend time talking about millions of matches. And if you want, if you have missed any of the results from the past week, you want a one-stop shop place to go, go to collegetennisranks.com. Look at the week behind. I believe it is called, Chris, and you have the list of not only all the men's results, all the women's results as well. Now, it's reliant on people posting their results to the official college tennis scores. And if they don't do that, Chris's site is hurt. Nevertheless, you can see at the very minimum what matches are scheduled to be played, and if the result isn't up there, you can inquire immediately on the you know quick Google search of that team's immediate website, see if they've updated it there. But Chris's website, fully full, fully up and running now that the 2020 season is starting. I'll let you talk about the website in a little bit, Chris, but I do want to talk again about the rest of the results. Ohio State, you saw some interesting lineup decisions from them. TCU looked really good. Baylor, no Brooksby. They still, you know, no problems for that. Um, uh, let's start with you, Chris, and then we'll go to Matt. What any other teams stand out to you through this first week that really caught your attention? Well, probably the the interesting matchup to to talk about, not really from a matchup, but just what, what we saw from the lineups that came out and played was that TCU Arizona State match. So of note there, um, you know, I I reached I reached out to Roditi. I didn't get an answer, so I don't have an answer as to uh, as to why, but. Uh, in that in that match, we did not see a couple guys that I expected uh, to see play for TCU. They still win the match five two comfortably, uh, but no no Yurishek and no Burtis Kruger. Uh, Kruger played dubs, not singles. Now you know maybe he felt like he's just not in the singles lineup. He's a guy that could have been probably five six, so maybe he just didn't play singles. But Yurishek for sure would have been playing didn't play singles or doubles. So I don't know what's going on there on the flip side for Arizona state. No, Nathan Ponwith, no Tim rule. I mean, that spelled loss from the get go for them. Um, but I've, uh, I've inquired there. The, the, the deal with both of them was injury. 
the rule injury is kind of a day-to-day, so he'll be fine. It sounds like the pond with injury is kind of a nagging, going to be a season-long grind, you know, maybe I'm good, maybe I'm not kind of thing, which is does not uh, bring a lot of hope for, for that team. And, of course, we saw Ponwith play a bunch uh, over this past summer and fall pro event-wise, so any contribution they can get from him will be much appreciated, I'm sure. Uh, Matt, same question to you. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything much else. I mean, we, we hit on the big ones, you know, the, the Power 5 teams playing the other Power 5 teams. A lot of cupcakes that we saw, um, you know, from a lineup perspective. I know you mentioned Ohio State, but I, I, I'm not going to read – you know, too much into anything just yet. Um, you know, I know that Cannon Kingsley played number one ahead of McNally in one of those matches or whatever it was. Um, I- I'm not too worried about that. Um, it's still early, and I think, you know, t- Ty Tucker's probably just trying to, you know, see what he's got there. But, um, yeah, no, that's a, that, that's about it. It was a great first week, and obviously, you know, when we talk about the kickoff, that's that's going to be a whole lot more fun. Yeah, that's when the real learning experience begins. Big matches for all the top teams this weekend trying to qualify for that national indoors. It's the top 15 seeds from across the country trying to earn that qualifying spot, of course. The 16th spot goes to the hosts of the respective events. I believe it's Illinois for the women, Wisconsin for the men. We will be talking about that ITA kickoff weekend and more come Thursday on a Great Shot podcast, ITA regional pre- uh, ITA kickoff weekend preview. I'm ecstatic for that, and I will start texting coaches tomorrow to get some inside scoops for you listeners i'm gonna say now let's hold our top five polls before that weekend let's hold it all for the thursday podcast a little bit of a tease for you listeners you expect us to do our rankings it's only been one week of results and if we're going to do the rankings twice this week let's do it as we head into our ita kickoff weekend that being said there is one last thing i want to leave both you and uh you matt and chris with and it's one of those random ideas i had and you we both know i like to pontificate about the ins and outs of college tennis in my free time. I may have mentioned both uh, this to both of you privately, and in fact, I definitely did mention it in our text thread. But let's play a little game. One last thing. Give our listeners what so, uh, a little sneak peek into where my mind wanders with a game of possible, or Alex, you're effing crazy. Westoff, give me the sound effect, please. Um, Matt, let's start with you, and then since you know how the game works, then we'll go to Chris. My new idea for you guys. So hooking, obviously an epidemic in college tennis. I'm not going to call out individuals, but I think we all know half the fun of attending a match is seeing how close these line calls get, watching that conflict boil over between the teams. No matter whom you're rooting for, that human element of the sport is very entertaining. But it's also something we obviously want to get removed from our game. So my idea to combat hooking, Matt and Chris, instead of the typical thing of three hooks, you know, point penalty, game penalty, match penalty, let's really spice things up. Let's throw those out the window. No more defaults for hooks. Uh, you know, that is, that's not going to be a thing anymore. Instead of that, whenever a line judge overrules someone on a court, whomever that player is, not only does that player get a point penalty, but every player on his team still playing a match gets a point penalty as well. That way it incentivizes uh, accountability. You are accountable to all of your teammates if you start hooking and it is, they are accountable to you to ensure that, you know, you're all training the right way. You're not practicing hooking. That message gets across of, hey, this is not something we do. I just feel like it takes a big solution to tackle a big problem like this. Throwing lets out is one way to address that sort of problem. To me, this is the other way. Matt, start with you then, Chris. Possible or Alex, you're effing crazy? 
All right. So your idea, first of all, your your thought process behind this is not crazy. I, I actually Let's go. I like it. I like it. Okay. I, I hate cheating. I absolutely despise the hooking that we see all the time in college tennis. It really pisses me off. So your idea there is is great because it holds the, the player accountable for his entire team. And if he penalizes his teammates, if they have to take a point penalty at a crucial point in a match, they're going to get pissed at him. And maybe next time he'll think twice about, about hooking. So I like the idea. However, when it comes to implementing this, you're crazy. It's not going to happen. So <laughs> I, I, I like it. However, it, it is crazy because this will not be happening. Now, something similar already happens. You know, like if a player gets a, a code violation after their match is over, that point penalty does trickle down to the next court that's still playing. So in a weird kind of way, they sort of already do this, just not the exact way that you're talking about it. So your idea is not crazy, but the implementation of it to actually happen, that that's pretty crazy. I, I think that's fair, and I want you to know I texted someone at the ITA. I'm not going to say who, uh, but my senior source is there. Uh, similar thing. It was, Alex, that's a, a wonderful idea, actually. Now, how do we work on implementing it, to which right. I responded. It, it, look, it still needs a little more time in the oven, uh, and that's why I'm talking about it with you guys. The implementation would be the most difficult part. If it's on courts one and six, how does the line judge on six communicate to one, hey, point penalty for you on court one, two, hey, point penalty for you on court two as well, court three as well, um, whatever it may be. That being said, Chris, possible or I'm effing crazy? I might surprise you here, Gruskin. I'll say... I, I'm Am I going to get possible from both of you? Holy <laughs> shnikes. But, so I'm, I'm with Matt on the... on, But, but with a, for a little different reason. Yeah, you're effing crazy if you think it could be implemented now. It can't. But <laughs> right. the, idea, the idea itself and the premise behind it is good. But the, pro- the problem that I have with it is for every five bad calls that a player makes there's at least one by an official that's so, generous by the <laughs> way yeah yeah i mean look we've got some people out there calling lines that have no business calling lines in some cases and yes. so so you can't there's no way you could rely on that so my my take would be i would be 100 percent for this if we had hawkeye on the court right so <laughs> if, if, and it's obviously hawkeye being a, a more logical term for any sort of uh yeah play site video, review video replay but if we had the way to actually see you know with play site with the k you know if they had the smart courts like you know some of the institutions have where they can play challenges and they go to the video and look at it if we could do that and then you could clearly see nope the ball was out or ball was good and you called it out then i'm 100 percent behind fine every court loses a point and that'll immediately stop the guys, you know, which yep. is what you want to do. You want them to stop calling the balls out that are really, really close because hell the ones they're calling it out. They don't know if it's in or out. They just know it's close and they're calling it out. They'll stop doing that unless they know it's out, which is the way the rule is actually written. The rule says you give the other player the benefit of the doubt. So there has to be zero doubt in your mind. 
Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Implementation is difficult, especially it gives a lot of power to these line judges. One overrule becomes that much more significant, and uh, who wants line judges deciding matches? I'm sure I can speak for everyone when I say none of us want that. But it is a big structural problem, and it takes big uh, solutions to tackle these big sort of problems. And it would just be really interesting. Like the first time it happens, you know, in the meeting after the match, the coach would say, look, this is unacceptable. And from here on in, we're giving the benefit of the doubts because, you know, your point penalty led to breaks on four and two. Oh, I and just like, want to be in the locker room when the players are going at each other. Yes. I got broken That's what I'm because saying. you called a freaking out ball out. Yes. But this is what I'm saying is it, it increases the likelihood of accountability. And I'm just going to throw this name out there, but let's say his name is Mon Jacnally. And it's like, listen, Mon, like, oh what God. are you doing, man? Like, this has happened repeatedly. And he'd be like, Look, it's hard being a Jicknally out in this world. People don't understand my last name. Um, but yeah, like it, the accountability would just naturally be there. And so it's just something to Christian ponder as we look through this 2020 season. That was uh, a just, good thought, know. Ruskin. You don't have too many of them, but that, that, one, <laughs> that one was pretty good. I want you to know that the second I thought of it, I shot that text to the ITA person. I was like, this one's gold, and that doesn't happen too often. So let me throw this in there right away uh, to see if it can become a possibility. Well, the, the only problem here, Stack, I think, is that even with that, Jignali still beats Fandrew Enti. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Don't yeah. Well, either either way, we're screwed by Ty Tucker, which you <laughs> you know you switch the letters and it doesn't even matter. Um, but yeah, I agree with you guys. Uh, uh, golden ideas do not happen often, and when they do, they should be capitalized. And that's why we want to tell all of you listeners: capitalize on our new two sponsors, Diadem and Aerobar. Starting with Diadem, the tennis gear, tennis racket company. You know it well. Uh, we're talking college tennis. Two guys you know from their time in college: Seiko Bangora, Carousel, repping that diadem gear as well it's worked for their game it can work for yours too and right now they're offering a special uh, limited time offer for our listeners using the code cr50 uh, just the letter cr50 you can get 50 percent off your order of diadem gear a new racket a new headband whatever it may be i promise uh, that switch to diadem will make your game that much better also you know you want you look good feel good play good you want to be rocking the diadem gear you also want to be fueled by the right stuff and arrow bar is our friends, the tennis-specific energy bar, the place where we think you guys can be properly fueled as you continue your training or just recreationally. You want to feel a little bit better about yourself. Maybe it's not tennis-related. Maybe you're working on that 2020 New Year's resolution. Hey, I'm going to get in shape in 2020. You know what? I've got a little bit of baby fat on me. I think if I'm doing this Crack Rackets gig full-time with the play-by-play stuff, with the video, I need to look that much slimmer, compensate for a diminishing hairline. Well, Aerobar is what you turn to. You're going to look in shape. That jawline is going to be slim. It's going to be suave. It's going to be sexy. Next thing you know, they're going to be calling your matches with Grigor Dimitrov or your match against Tommy Paul, the best-looking match in tennis history. And you can do all of that with Aerobar, of course. You go to their website, plug in our code CRACKED30, that's C-R-A-C-K-E-D-3-0, and look get you set up with all the things you need, 30% off your first order. And I promise, once you taste the first, you'll be done with all of that other stuff. Uh, I'm not going to say their names either in case they want to come on at some point, but this is the energy bar. 
you want to turn to. Of course, through all of that, we at Cracked Rackets could get nothing done without our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff. doesn't matter if we look good, feel good, play good. Unless they edit good, none of this sounds good. And, of course, they always do that of a job it is that they are there to do. So we want to give a shout-out to them as always. Matt, Chris, as we mentioned, and I can't believe I discovered it midway through the pod, but ITA kickoff weekend this weekend, really the first big weekend of college tennis now. There's a ton of Australian Open stuff going on as well, and that this mini break hit an hour. You're going to get a day three recap as well. Plenty of mini break content for you listeners to keep up with, and if you've missed any of the action throughout the Australian Open, you can check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. As I mentioned, the GSP for the draw breakdowns, uh, the mini break for the daily recaps, Cracked interviews for any interviews we get to do throughout the time. But if you've missed anything from the college world, I really think right now the place to turn is Chris's website, CollegeTennisRanks.com. If you'll entertain me just for a little longer. Chris, can you tell our listeners what you've got cooking over there? Because I know you've got some really cool stuff back up there now. Yeah, so got most of the things up and running. Uh, a couple of things I probably didn't even, I might have told you guys about, but I haven't tweeted out. So so obviously, the you know, the, there's no computer rankings yet, so that's not there. But the, the ITA rankings are up. My, my college tennis ranks rankings are up. The uh, under the 2020 events menu option, both the men's and women's kickoff schedule for this weekend uh, are up. That includes both whether they're indoors and outdoors, as well as the days, summer, Friday, Saturday, summer, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, so on the men's side, Gruskin, you know, since we're going to do our for Thursday night pod, it won't come out until Friday. There are two two of the men's got sides that get going on Friday, one of which is your Michigan Wolverines at Illinois. Uh, that is a Friday, Saturday uh, kickoff. So I was going to say, I think they play Texas Tech Friday. Yeah, that, exactly. They play Texas Tech Friday, so that'll be just uh, just in time for that. So, yeah, but both under the 2020 events, you'll see the, the both the men's and women's kickoff schedule. It gives you all the sites, all the matchups, live video and scoring links where, where available. Uh, and then uh, a couple other things. If you go to any of the rankings pages, the, well, actually, for, on the, it's on the men's side only right now. If you go to the rankings pages, the top 25, you click on a team, you'll get full rosters along with current UTRs for all of those guys and the coaching staff. So good info there. One, one place that makes it easy to go and not have to hunt through every every team's website to, to find that info. Uh, and then uh, last is the thing that just went up today that I've been getting tons of, tons of great feedback on already. And that is under the rankings tab, there is a, a live ATP rankings that is now pulling out of the live rankings, which is the which goes a thousand deep. So your top thousand ATP players, uh, anybody with college ties. So it lists the ranking of everybody with college ties along with the school uh, or schools that they played for. Uh, and pe- I mean, I, I get that question all the time. So I thought, oh heck, fine, might as well get it done. Got that up and going. Now I'm just uh, making sure that all. Uh, I got all the, the majority of the players. Now I'm just going through and, and really combing. I got some great help from Granger at Texas College Tennis who gave me, you know, he tweets out all the updates from all the ITF events. He gave me his data so I could cross check for any, uh, any people that I might be missing. Uh, I'm, I'm doing that. And then I'll, I will be shortly uh, getting the same thing up on the women's side. So uh, we'll have a, a live rankings for both the men and women for all the people with college ties. So lots of stuff up there. Go check it out. It's uh, collegetennisranks.com. 
Yeah, that's awesome, Chris. And of course, why we're so excited to bring you at, on as part of our Crack Rackets team is for content just like that. So really cool to see that perfect uh, sort of resource for all of you college tennis fans to play with. And again, Matt, Chris, I will be back with both of you in a couple of days to do our big breakdown of the ITA kickoff weekend on our Great Shot podcast. We'll agree on a format beforehand. I feel like last year got a little chaotic. So I, I know we're going to improve on that, tighten the wheels, you know, tighten the screws, I believe is the expression, do all that we need to do to get that ready. But with that in mind, again, for my wonderful co-hosts, Matt Stokowiak and Chris Heliors, for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for our sponsors, Diadem and Aerobar, and for our entire teams at both the Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Matt, Chris, what do we tell our listeners? That's a break. That's a break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.